We are New Life Community Church in Rogers Park. A community church in the city of Chicago, all over the city, for the good of the city. Right now, we are in the midst of our series, Different Jesus. A series that looks at the things we take for granted about Jesus and shows us a different picture. Wherever you're listening, I hope you are blessed by this message. How many of you recognize this woman? Hmm? Some of you instantly know who this is. But unlike those people, I'm one of the people that has never watched one of those talent show TV shows ever in my life. All right, and when I heard the story about this woman, I was blown away. If you're not familiar, in 2009, a woman walked onto America's Got Talent. I think that's what it was. America's Got British. Brit, I think it's Britain's Got Talent. Um, and her name was Susan Boyle. And as she walked out, the judges and everyone else just started laughing at her. I mean, she looked weird. She acted quirky and strange. And in their eyes, this ugly woman could have no talent. So as they're smirking, one of the judges asks her, what's your dream? I think that's the question they ask all of the, all of the contestants, I'm assuming. Uh, and she says, I want to be a professional singer. And literally, the crowd goes nuts, laughing, pointing at her. The judges even are like, what? Like, <laughs> there is no way you can be a professional singer woman. It showed like the crowd and people are like rolling their eyes, laughing. Why? Why? There was no way in their minds that this ugly, weird woman I'm putting those in quotation marks because that's what, what, what everyone was thinking, what everyone was judging, right? Could ever become a professional singer. And then Susan Boyle opened her mouth and started to sing. If you haven't seen this, go ahead and look this up after service. Not now, after service. And look up Susan Boyle first audition. It will blow your mind just like it did everyone else in there. It was hilarious. The people's look of shock as this woman started to sing, right? She ended up at the end like getting all of them, going to the end, I think she got second place in the whole contest. And Susan Boyle has gone on to become one of the most successful singers that came out of these TV programs. And there's like hundreds of them, okay? But she, her, her and herself has sold over 25 million records has over 650 million views of her songs on YouTube and has a net worth now of $40 million. <laughs> it was crazy, the talent that this woman had, but everyone could only see their own idea of worth. Hey! Well, welcome to New Life Community Church in Rogers Park. My name is Galen. I'm a pastor here, and you're joining me today for what promises to be worth your time. <laughs> I gotcha. My name's Galen, pastor here, and I get the blessing. Everyone say blessing. blessing. There we go. I got Joe running the, the slides for me. Everyone say thank you, Joe. He's giving his time so graciously to help me this morning. Uh, and we have the blessing of hearing from God's word and starting a brand new series. 
Brand new series. That's right, y'all. Brand new. You see, believe it or not, Easter is only three weeks away. Three weeks away. Does that even make sense that it's like Easter again? Like, I feel like Easter just happened. The pandemic causes like time and everything just to get fuzzy. Are you with me on that? And with Easter coming up so fast and with all of us having no sense of any normal rhythm, we need now more than ever to know the real meaning of this holiday. We need to know what this is all about because in the best of times, we think that Easter is all about getting some C-H-O-C-O-L-A-T-E. And my spellers out there just said chocolate, right? That's all you think about. Every kid on Easter is like hoping for some chocolate, okay? And then all you adults who are like above that wait till the day after Easter so you can go to like Target and get the 50% off Easter candy. Fill your cart with, you know, the Reese's uh, bunnies and all that stuff, right? That's fine. You can keep filling your sugar addiction. But don't forget. Someone say, don't forget. Don't forget what this day is actually about. Don't forget that this day may may just be the most important day of the year. Don't forget that Easter has the potential to change the world. And I know some of you are still thinking, 50% off all the candy at Target? (laughs) That's all that you heard, right? You're like putting in the calendar, like I'm gonna be there. Okay, so leading up to Easter over the next four Sundays, we wanna look at what this day, this day called Easter, and why it matters so much. It all has to do with this guy named Jesus. Jesus, you've heard of him, you know his name, everyone say Jesus. And some of you may be asking, well, Pastor G, don't we talk about Jesus every week? Uh, It seems like, you know, that's not too out of the ordinary. I already know something about this guy. Well, hang on there, Betty. Let me tell you the problem we have, okay? Even though you may have heard sermons about Jesus for your whole life, even though you may have gotten the lowdown from your friend and you think you got Jesus all figured out, even though you visited Jesus' Wikipedia page, you may not know all there is to know about who Jesus is. You may not have all the, the knowledge because we have a small problem. We interpret Jesus. We interpret this book that tells us about him. We interpret it all through our own culture. We've interpreted all through our own culture. culture. Hear me on this. We all have this problem where instead of hearing about Jesus, what he did, what he taught, how he lived, and then you becoming more like Jesus, which is what Jesus constantly told us to do, we like to make Jesus become like us. Hmm, ooh, some of you got offended. I do not like that, but Jesus is like me. (laughs) If you don't believe me, just look at some of these depictions of Jesus throughout history. Check, check this out. This is some of the artwork of Jesus throughout history. This is how people viewed Jesus. And depending on what culture you were in, it managed to make Jesus look like him. I, I, lo- I love some of these. Here's African Jesus, Asian Jesus, uh, Middle Eastern Jesus, Golden Jesus, okay? We, wherever you're at, Jesus seemed to represent. Go to the next one, the picture here. Um, I love this. Here's the picture of Mary and the baby, right? Like in African culture, they're like, Jesus, of course, was African. Go to the next one. Uh, I love this one. Here's 
uh, Eastern Jesus, Black Jesus, Asian Jesus, and Hipster Jesus, okay? That's, what, that's how we make Jesus look. Uh, this last one is how scholars actually think Jesus would have looked. There you go. Ordinary. The Susan Boyle that stepped on the stage, right? Like, this is not how any of you picture Jesus were looking, but most scholars spend a ton of time researching what Middle Eastern Jewish men looked at it like in that time, and this is what Jesus most likely would have looked like, as close as we could possibly know. Let me tell you, none of those artwork looks like that. You think we make Jesus into our own image? And this is just the appearance, right? Guess what? We do it even more with what he taught and how he lived. We pick and choose the stories in there that we like, that our parents like, that our politics like, that our personality, our past sins, our preferences cause us to highlight above others. And the ones we don't like, the ones that don't fit in our filter, we either ignore them or we find some sort of teacher that can tell us how that doesn't mean what we think it means, right? Well, 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 you're already getting some preaching this morning, okay? So far, this may be scaring you, but I want to encourage you to stay with me. Don't click off, go, don't go find some other teacher, okay? Because when I say that we all do this, I mean all of us, including myself. And I've been praying that God would help me this morning to be able to show you Jesus without my own biases, that God would allow me to preach beyond my own limitations so that we can see a different Jesus. A different Jesus. That's the name of our series for the next four weeks. Different Jesus. And over the next four weeks, we're going to look at four sides of Jesus that look a lot different than our typical picture. Four parts that we have to conform to instead of making it conform to us. Four parts that we try to tone down or ignore. In this series, we want to see Jesus how he actually is. And this morning, we're diving into a part of Jesus that we probably have the hardest time with. It seriously is perfectly exemplified in that, that first audition of Susan Boyle. You know, where everybody was only able to see how she looked. And because of that, automatically assumed that she was worth nothing. This morning, we want to see people the way that Jesus does. Jesus does. I'm getting excited. Okay, let's go to Luke chapter 7. If you've got a printed Bible, you've got a digital Bible, you've got the Gideon Bible, you've got your mama's Bible, whatever it is, I want you to pull it out, and we're going to look at this together. I would highly recommend that you follow along. You're not going to miss what's in these pages. So if you're unfamiliar with this powerful book, the Bible, it contains four different biographies on Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we're going to look at Luke, okay? Luke. He is the biographer of Jesus that we're looking at today, and we're looking at a story that comes in Luke chapter 7. Each of the books is organized into chapters with these big numbers. We're going to go to number 7, okay? Luke chapter 7. So go ahead and turn there. I'm going to have it on the screen, of course, in case you cannot get to a Bible or you're just too lazy. That's okay. Uh, look with me at Luke chapter 7, verse 36. It says this. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. 
A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. Whew. So this is the story we're starting out with today, guys. Pastor G, this is weird, okay? This story is weird. I know you're the pastor and you picked this or something, but this is weird. I don't know about you, but just place yourself in what just happened right here. Let's say the pandemic opened up. You're excited. You can finally go to a restaurant. So you get your crew together. You roll up into Wendy's. Okay, because that's where you're gonna go. 444, okay? You get the 444 deal and you're all, you're, you're owning that dining room in Wendy's, okay? You got all that food, you're eating it, and then something unexpected happens. A woman walks in who's ragged. She's beat up. You've seen her out on the corner, right? Asking for some money or selling stuff. And you're like, what is going on? And without, before you can even say anything, this woman comes over to your bro, rips off his shoes, and starts kissing his feet. Okay? You're like, what? Okay, this doesn't even make sense. She, and she, does, she goes further than that, okay? She takes out a huge bottle of perfume and dumps it on his feet, like the J-Lo perfume, okay? This Wendy's is smelling so strong, everybody's coughing and choking, falling over, they don't even understand, and she's kissing, crying, wailing over your, your, your guy's feet, dumps all this perfume on there, and at first, you're like, what is happening? Can you imagine what this Wendy's smells like? Right? Like a whole bottle of perfume. You're coughing. You're staring at your bro like, what? what just happened to you? Why would you let her do this? That's what just happened to Jesus. Absurd. Doesn't make sense. And if the scripture story doesn't seem weird to you, that's just because you've heard it too many times. Jesus has just been invited to have dinner with a Pharisee, which was a super religious type guy. Super religious type guy, a leader of the religious group at the time. Definitely someone on the higher end of the food chain. And usually, Jesus doesn't really like these guys too much. But for some reason, he accepts the offer this time and agrees to go to dinner. And while they're sitting at dinner, this ragged woman comes in who's weeping, forces her way in and starts bathing Jesus' feet with her tears, her kisses, and her perfume. Okay, Now, everyone who's sitting around the table is complete shock. The Pharisee is about to go and fire his doorman for even letting this woman in here. He's like, what's the point of having you, Jamal? Okay, you need to keep this type of people out. And you see, part of the problem with this was not only is it awkward and strange, but the culture of this day and age also made it very unorthodox, very inappropriate, okay, for a woman to touch a man, especially a religious man. Jesus was a rabbi, a teacher, and it was, it was weird for a woman to talk to him, let alone touch him, be kissing his feet. I mean, this is still happening. When I was in Israel, we went on this huge hike up to the top to where the temple is, and it was so hot. Everybody was dying, like sweating, and we wouldn't have made it if it wasn't for this nice, crazy, this nice Muslim man who came out, literally gave water and juice to 30 students as we hiked up this, like, 
just gave it all to us for free. Just was so nice, right? And we, so we barely made it to the top. And we get to the top, one, the, it was like one or two girls go and they like collapse on this wall because they're just so tired. Well, about 10 feet down was sitting two Orthodox Jewish men. They immediately sprang up like they had just been burned on their butt. They're like, <laughs> like jumped up and left immediately. They couldn't even sit on the same wall even though it was 10 feet away, okay? <laughs> that, this is still going. That's the kind of thing that would have been going through the Pharisee's mind at this time. And not only was the woman touching Jesus, kissing his feet, on top of that, everyone knew that she was a sinful woman. They recognized her. The Bible says she was sinful. This means she most likely was a prostitute. Could have been something else, but most people think that's what was going on. It's like most likely explanation since everyone knew her for her sin. They all knew her. And this Pharisee is pretty ticked. You know the kind of ticked where you try to keep yourself under control, but you're getting like a little bit like frustrated. He's twitching a bit. His face is getting red, right? This is not okay. And he cannot believe that Jesus is letting this happen. And what does Jesus do? Nothing. Nothing. It's almost as if he sits in silence as this woman weeps, pours perfume on his feet, a perfume that is worth 60 grand, by the way, probably was something that her, her parents had given to her, or maybe her parents, her mom had given to her before she died, and she had held on to this, and she was going to use it so that she would have something in case of the worst case emergency, and $60,000 she pours out on his feet. <laughs> And she's kissing his feet. I mean, for many of us, we can't even get past that. I mean, I, I mean, I know, like, it's Jesus, but I'm not kissing nobody's feet, okay? This is crazy part because we're thinking of people with, like, socks and shoes. This was sandals through the dust, the mud, the poop, the pee, the everything just all over his feet. And she's wiping them and kissing them. I mean, this is the Middle East, right? And get this. In each house, there was a slave, the lowest position, who was to wipe people's feet. It was literally the lowest position you could have in society was a feet cleaner. This woman is doing that for Jesus. All this is happening. Everyone sits in shock and awkward silence. You know, that awkward silence where you don't know what to say anymore after you've been having a Zoom meeting. Everybody's like, well, I gotta go. You know, like, that's what's happening. This religious guy, this Pharisee, he's fuming. He's so mad and twitchy that he starts talking to himself. I kid you not. This dude can't handle this at all. He's like, <laughs> right? Look what it says. Verse 39. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, okay? He starts talking to himself. If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is. That she is a sinner. Okay? <laughs> He's like, Jesus is really this great prophet that he claims to be. And there's no way he would be allowing this woman to touch him. She, she, she's, a, she's a sinner. Ah! Right? That all went down just in his head. On the outside, he's looking like this. <laughs> you know, that's, that's how we all are, right? We're judging, judging people so hard and so harsh, but we're too scared to say anything out loud, right? Well, too bad for this guy. The guy that he was judging 
or the guy that he was in the presence of judging this woman and judging him, he happened to be Jesus, okay? So the Spirit of God is in him. He's also the Son of God. He knows what this guy is thinking, and instead of responding by slapping the guy, right, like that's what we would have done, get that plank out of your eye. God so loved the world. Stop your judging, right? Like that's what we've done, but how Jesus responds, he says, look at verse 40. Simon, I have something to tell you. Simon is the Pharisee, right? Simon, I have something to tell you. Suddenly his heart like skips a beat. Like everyone was dead silent. All you could hear was this woman weeping. Horn smelled overpoweringly like perfume where you're choking, right? <laughs> like that, like, <laughs> like dry choking of just so much perfume. And instead of responding to any of that, Jesus is like, I got something for you, Simon. <laughs> Simon's like, uh, you sure, Jesus, you don't want to address all this situation over here before talking to me? But he's like, all right, tell me, teacher. This is what he says. Tell me, teacher. What a great response, Simon. So Jesus tells a story to Simon. That's just so like Jesus, right? He just tells a story, right? He says this. Two separate people owed a ton of money to one guy. And I mean a lot of money. Right? It, it, it says some amounts in there, but I'll just tell you the modern equivalent. It says one guy owed $13,000 and another guy owed $130,000. Okay? That's how much they owed. And unfortunately, the debt collector comes collecting on both of these guys. Okay? He, he comes collecting and neither of them have the money. Neither of them got the money. Okay? <laughs> uh, and unlike today, where if you can't pay your loan, right? If you can't pay your loan, then you get like the annoying debt collector calls for the rest of your life. They maybe garnish your wages or like, I don't know, your credit gets killed, right? And you go down to the lowest score possible. These two guys, if they didn't pay this back, would have gone to prison until they could. Make sense? Not really, right? You go to prison where you can't make any money until you can pay it back. Not only that, your family would have been sold as slaves in order to pay as much of that debt as you possibly could. Okay? This is a little bit different. This is like you just borrowed money from the mafia. Okay? I'm sure these guys were weeping, saying they'd figure it out. They'd find a way to pay it back. Just give them some more time. And the debt collector yells, Silence! I know that you cannot pay it back. So forget about it. Forget about it. Forget about it. I'm not gonna forgive, I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna ask for any of that. I'm gonna forgive both of y'all your debts, okay? Jesus then asked Simon the Pharisee a question. That's the story, right? This guy forgives all their money. He asked Simon this question, verse 42. Now which of them will love him more? Which of these guys will love him more? Simon, which person will love? Interesting word choice, right? Which, which one of these ones will love the loan shark more? <laughs> I mean, do you usually love someone that you owe money to? Well, you all have not had 13,000 forgiven or 130,000 forgiven. Do you think that caused some love to grow? Maybe, right? And Simon, which one loved him more? The one who owed 13,000 or the one who owed 130,000? Look at verse 43. Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. I mean, Simon's trying to answer the best of his ability. His brain's 
all clogged by the overwhelming perfume. He can't think over this woman weeping at Jesus' feet. But he supposes, he supposes that the one with the bigger debt will love the man more. <laughs> Y'all think that's a good answer? I mean, you think the one who had $130,000 forgiven will love this guy more? I mean, I don't know about you, but I think so. I think that's the right answer. And Jesus says, you have judged correctly, right? And then like lightning, Jesus is like, whoosh, verse 44. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss. I guess he wanted a kiss from Simon, right? But this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head. That's just, don't even try to understand it. It's a Middle Eastern thing. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Whoo! Verse 47. Therefore. <laughs> Jesus uses the therefore, right? My favorite word. Because of all this, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Woo! <laughs> There's a zinger for you, right? Jesus is like, you think this story is just for fun? No, no, no. Let's connect those dots right over here, right? However much you are forgiven is in direct connection to how much you love. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. However much you are forgiven is in direct connection to how much you love. Three things this morning that you got to re-see about Jesus. Three things we have to realign with Jesus. We have to unconform and reconform to his way of thinking. Three ways that we have to see Jesus different. Number one, Jesus loves sinners. Jesus loves sinners. <laughs> this isn't as simple as it sounds, okay? Because I know you are like, come on, give me something deeper, okay? No, you need this this morning. I guarantee you need this. You just don't understand that, okay? You don't understand that. Come on, Pastor G, if anyone knows anything about Jesus, it's that he loves sinners. Okay, oh really? Do we really know that? Do we know it? Or have we shaped it around our own ideas? Look at this woman. This woman was publicly known as a sinner. As in the whole town, they saw this woman and they would immediately cross the street. Especially the religious people, right? The people who claim to know God. They wouldn't even look at her, let alone be seen in the same room or even let her touch their feet. She was an outcast. No hope of redemption. She was messed up. She was gross, a mess, even from the people who claimed to know God. People looked at her the same way that they looked at Susan Boyle, okay? <laughs> They're like, That's, there's nothing good that can come from this woman. That's how low this woman was. But not Jesus. Not Jesus. Hear this. Not Jesus. Jesus loved this woman. Jesus loved this woman. Do you, do you see that? Do you see what's happening right here? The very woman that everyone thought was beyond saving, Jesus loved that woman. 
Not only that, but he said nothing when she came in and started cleaning his feet. He didn't try to correct her. He didn't try to make sure that all the people around understood what was happening, right? He, he, he didn't try to maintain some sort of appearance. And even when the religious people, the ones who would have kicked her if she had tried to touch them, started accusing her, he defends her. This is the different Jesus. The one who doesn't fit in our neat little box. Jesus loves sinners. <laughs> no, no, no. I believe that about Jesus. I do, I do, I do, I do. Are you sure? Okay? How many of you believe that Jesus loves homosexuals? How many of you believe that Jesus loves transgenders? How many of you believe that Jesus loves immigrants? Or Jesus loves people in prison. Jesus loves druggies. Jesus loves porn addicts. Jesus loves people who have had an abortion. Jesus loves people who have cheated on their spouse. Jesus loves gangbangers on the corner. Jesus loves racists. Jesus loves terrorists. How many of you believe that? <laughs> So I'll tell you what, it's just not the world out there that has a wrong view of Jesus, right? Like, it's not the world out there who has been jaded by messed up Christians who say they don't want anything to do with Jesus if Jesus is like that. We like to point outward and take the eyes off of us, but let's look inward for a second. We, 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 because I don't think we believe that this is who Jesus really is. I, I don't think so. Not in practice. We may be able to check the, check the box on a test. Right? But I think that this Jesus that I'm describing is a different Jesus than we're familiar with. A Jesus who would look each of these people that I just listed in the eye and say, I love you. The ones that the religious look down on and he loves them. This is a different Jesus. Are you hearing me? Man, if we're actually honest with ourselves, if we started seeing a whole lot of some of these people hanging out there in the church, <laughs> we'd be looking for a different church. Right? Like, a lot of us would start talking to ourselves just like this Pharisee Simon did, right? Do the pastors know who's in here? Huh? Do the pastors know what that... Okay? Like, oh sure, we come up with all kinds of excuses. Like, it's just too dangerous in that church anymore. I gotta go somewhere safer for my family, okay? Or, you know, you all don't take sin seriously enough here, okay? Yeah, I heard that one. Churches become too darn political, okay? Or, I don't like the worship, okay? Like, that's that's the one. That's That'll get you out of any church. You can use that excuse, okay? Just this worship. I just can't connect. Okay. In reality, we just don't like the type of Jesus, <laughs> that, the different type of Jesus that's happening here in this church, right? Not only that, we don't believe that this is Jesus. We don't believe it, right? The one who the worst sinners come crying at his feet. We're the same way, same way as the world, right? We say, if that's who Jesus is, then I want no part. Man, I think back on my life, right? The age of 18, where if I was at a bar, <laughs> you know, that if, if I was at a bar where people would come up and see me, they, they would not have think of any hope for me, right? If I was somewhere where I had to get to hit some level, okay, I would not have made it. 
right? You don't believe me? You go ahead and have a nice chat with my, my family, okay? <laughs> my, my parents, right? They actually refer to those days in my life, right? Like junior high through high school as the dark days, okay? I kid you not. If you were to go and ask them right now, hey, tell me about that. That phrase would come up in the conversation, okay? That's how, like, seriously they would be. I called my parents. I was like, can you send me some pictures from those days? They only found two pictures, okay? It's like, oh, this is all I could find, okay? <laughs> Wait, look at this. Here's a picture of me. Okay, this is one of the two pictures that my, that my dad could find, okay? <laughs> and here's the other one. Okay, here is the two pictures from the dark days, okay? Like, <laughs> if, this, if this would have been about me, I know I would not have been accepted. That's what, that, that's what I feel, I feel. I was a messed up, rebellious, sex-obsessed, addicted, a visible sinner. There was no doubt about that to anyone around me. But thank God, Jesus loves sinners. Thank God. Church, we gotta hear this this morning. We gotta hear this. We have, we've become a social club in so many ways. Where, where, where we set up such strict rules for attendance that not even Jesus would be able to get in. You'd have to be like, oh, yo, he, he's with me. He's with me. <laughs> no, you can let him in, right? What, what does it mean for you this morning? What does it mean for you to love sinners. You can go back to the Jesus loves sinners slide so everybody doesn't have to stare at my high school face there with a huge washed out hair. I want each of you to think of that person real quick. The one person you can't love, right? And if you're having a hard time, I want you to think of Donald Trump or Barack Obama, okay? Because I'm sure one of those is touching your strings. You're like, I cannot love that person, okay? Uh, if there's one person that represents everything that I'm against or the church is against or whatever, it's one of those two people in your mind, okay? <laughs> and no, 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 no. Let's not even go there. Come on, Pastor G. No, think, if, think of a person that you interact with or you've seen the person you would never want to see in your church. <laughs> nope, nope. That is not how Jesus is. Yes, he is. No, 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 Jesus doesn't love that person. Yes, he does. <laughs> I can't love that person, but Jesus does. We've become like this Pharisee in so many ways. We set up rules, regulations. We apply moral laws to people who don't even know Jesus. <laughs> who don't even have the spirit in them and the ability to live differently. And we say, unless you start to look like me. Notice, not like Jesus. You start to look like me, like my tribe, then you can't hang out here. God help us. God help us to love sinners. God help us to love sinners. Second thing you need to see about this different Jesus, in Jesus' eyes, number two, you are the bigger debtor. You are the bigger debtor. Not just you, not just you, everyone listening, even Simon the Pharisee, he was actually the bigger debtor. Where did, where did Simon place himself in this story that Jesus told him, right? Where was Simon in the story? Jesus never says, right? Simon, you are the smaller debtor and she's the bigger one. He never says that. Jesus just applies it to the woman, okay? I mean, to be honest, where did Simon see himself? Do you think he saw himself as the guy who owed 13000 or 130000 
Neither, okay? He's like, I don't know nothing, okay? I'm like the good guy. <laughs> if Simon were to stoop so low as to say he owed even something, it would have been the 13,000, right? Small amount. In Simon's eyes, he had made it. He was a Pharisee, a religious leader, and he worked extra hard to follow God's laws to a T. That's why he would never let this woman ever touch him, okay? But how do you think Jesus saw Simon? as the bigger or the smaller debtor. I mean, Jesus was reading Simon's heart while they were all sitting there and he was seeing some ugly stuff. Despite how polished Simon was on the outside, despite how put together he looked, okay? He was just as messed up on the inside. Check out this other section in Luke where Jesus talks pretty bluntly to the Pharisees. I'm, I mean, probably Simon might have been standing among them, as this takes a little bit further in the book of Luke. And maybe he was thinking about this woman as Jesus said this. I love this. This is in the message version. I know you Pharisees, okay? Remember Simon's Pharisee? I know you Pharisees burnish the surface of your cups, like polish, right? And plates so that they sparkle in the sun but I also know your insides are maggoty with greed and secret evil. <laughs> oh, snap. Stupid Pharisees. <laughs> you didn't even know Jesus was like that. <laughs> didn't the one who made the outside also make the inside? Keep going, keep going. Turn both your pockets and your hearts inside out and give generously to the poor. Then your lives will be clean, not just your dishes and your hands right? Keep going. Uh, I've had it with you. You're hopeless, you Pharisees, frauds. You keep meticulous account books, tithing on every nickel and dime you get, but manage to find loopholes for getting around basic matters of justice and God's love. Careful bookkeeping is commendable, but the basics are required. You're hopeless, you Pharisees, you frauds, you love sitting at the head table at church dinners, love preening yourselves in the radiance of public flattery. Frauds, you're just like unmarked graves. Ooh, you're just like unmarked graves, Pharisees. People walk over that nice grassy surface, never suspecting the rot and corruption that is six feet under. Ooh, that's some harsh words, Mr. Jesus, okay? Don't be fooled. Jesus was by no means saying that Simon was less of a sinner than this woman. He was just saying that Simon didn't recognize it. He didn't recognize it. He didn't recognize that he was. Sure, Simon had some of his external morals in check, right? Sure, he had managed to achieve this high religious rank through birth or hard grit your teeth work, but his heart was far from God. Don't miss this. Simon knew how to hide. Everyone say hide. Everyone, everyone, Simon knew how to hide his sin. Okay? You're feeling it, okay? Simon knew how to hide his sin. Simon knew how to put on the correct face. Okay? Are you, are you hearing me? Simon knew how to play the game. Oh, and it works with everyone but Jesus. <laughs> you see, in this story, Simon may have actually been the guy who owned $13,000, but that's only because he hid the other $117,000 that he stole secretly on the side and that nobody knew about. Do you hear me? You hear me? You know, we all owe a whole ton of money. 
We are all that bigger debtor. We just think we're so smarty and sneaky and tricksty that we can't even imagine that we could be caught, right? Like we, we think we've hit it so good. Like, you, you know, you, you, how many of you, you watch the news and in your head you think, why doesn't that fill in the blank type of people just get themselves together? never actually say that because you know that would be a racist, right? But you sure as heck are going to think it to yourself, right? Sound like someone we just talked about? Or every time you see fill in the blank, that type of person, right? On the street, it's obvious, you know, because they dress a certain way, they act a certain way, they start, talk a certain way. You just think, why don't they just pull themselves together? Or, 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 or why don't they just, you know, start to look a little bit more like me? Or, or, or you cross the street, or you just get so uptight and flustered. You see, we always think, why can't they just become like me? Look like me. I only owe a small amount. Well, Jesus, I actually only owe you $3, okay? Because you see, I did this and I did that and it kind of cancels that out and I hid this over here. You know, Jesus, okay? You see, what's actually happening is that both you and everyone else, including me, we all owe Jesus the same amount. We like to play these games, put on the face, act like we got all together, pretend that the debt that we owe is way smaller because we've perfected our masks. Okay, you following me? Look at all those critiques of the Pharisees that Jesus yelled out. You act like you're good, but you are so messed up. Whoo! This is the truth we need to hear this morning. We are, you are, the biggest debtor. You are the biggest debtor. I love how Paul says, I'm the chief of sinners, right? You are the bigger debtor in this story. You're the bigger debtor. The only difference is whether or not you recognize it. This sinful woman, easy to see. Her debt's huge and it especially makes me look good, right? <laughs> I look way good compared to her because I got that hidden down deep, six feet under, right? <laughs> the, this person is a sinner because she's in a sexually impure relationship. Though you're spending hours creeping through Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Tumblr, secretly lusting after all that you can get, keeping it hidden. Right? You call out that person, but you, deep down, Jesus knows what's going on. Or this person is a sinner because they refuse to wear a mask in this pandemic. Though you're secretly justifying all your trips out, all your, t your time with friends or talking with people. This person is a sinner because they don't go to church as much as me. Though for you, this is just a check of the box. The different Jesus is the one who actually sees you, who's tired of playing the game of putting on the face, right? He knows what's up. And you're not impressing anyone. You can, you can try all you like, but you're not better than anyone else. You're only saved because of Jesus. And maybe some of us don't even think that. Look what Jesus said two chapters back. Uh, Luke 5, verse 31. Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Final thought on this different Jesus. Number three, our love for Jesus changes the way we see others. Our love for Jesus changes the way we see others. Look back at verse 47. It says this, this is what we read earlier. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. What did this woman's love for Jesus show? What did this woman's love for Jesus show? She, 
what was, it showed what was going on on the inside. She had become so in love with Jesus that she didn't even care anymore that she was in a room of people judging her. Just like Susan Boyle, who courageously walks out on that stage and sings her heart out, despite everyone laughing at her. And when you fall in love with Jesus, it changes what you care about others and how you see others. You can't change that person next to you, but you can change you, can change you right? You can change. God can change you. Loving Jesus will change you. And I'm not talking about singing a song. I'm talking about valuing Him above all other things. Spending time with Him daily. Talking with Him before you talk with anyone else. Letting your whole person be the same whether you're in church or by yourself. I'm talking about seeing yourself the way Jesus sees you. I'm talking, about, I'm talking about not valuing yourself based on where you're at in the totem pole versus the people around you. I'm talking about valuing yourself the way Jesus does. Not because of anything you've done. <laughs> no, 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 no. Because of what he's done for you. If you want to see this different Jesus, we actually have to love him. The story ends rather abruptly. Verse 48. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. And the other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. There's no neat, tidy little conclusion. We don't hear anymore from Simon. The woman is forgiven. All the other people are in shock that all that Jesus said. It's almost as if he's left it up for us to see where we fall in this story. So this morning, are you sitting here and you're the sinner? You know it. Everyone knows it. There's no question in your mind. You're tired. Tired of the judgment. Tired of trying to live your life this way that ends always in brokenness. Are you willing to come to Jesus this morning? Because He loves you. He loves you. If you want to talk more about that, please, please, please leave a comment. Text our, our, our church line. We'd love to have a pastor talk with you. But this morning, are you the Pharisee? Are you sitting here and you set up walls that keeps people out that Jesus wants to let in? Are you somehow ranking yourself based on other people's walks? Or you somehow even secretly feel you're better because you're not that person. I want to call you to repentance this morning, brother and sister, to recognize that you are saved by God's grace alone. And sure, they got stuff to work on. You got work stuff to work on. <laughs> but, but that has nothing to do with you. Right? I, I'm calling you to recognize how deeply sinful you are. And if you don't know it, you need to spend some time with Jesus. His loving embrace as He rebukes in you so that you can love Him more and then love others more. And this morning, are you the third person in the story? Are you Jesus in this picture? Are you loving? Are you loving the sinner? Are you loving the sinner despite what people around you might say, what people might understand or mis misunderstand.
That's what God calls us to as the church, is to look like this different Jesus. And I think that's what our, our heartbeat this morning is for New Life Community Church in Rogers Park. May we be this different Jesus in Rogers Park, in West Rogers Park, Lincolnwood, Skokie, Evanston, Edgewater. God, help us. Jesus, help us to be like you. Lord Jesus, we need your help. We need your spirit in us. We need you to overpower the ways that we think so poorly about others. Help us, God, to see our own broken hearts more and more each day. Break us down, Jesus. May we weep over our own sin. Take away our judgment of others. May we lead them to the one who loves them, who forgives them, who can help them walk with him. God, help us, Jesus. Help us to be like you. Pray this in your name. You have been listening to New Life Community Church in Rogers Park. If you have been blessed by this message, please let us know. Now go and live a new life.